This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Yes, indeed. As she said, I am Marco Flalo and he is Mitchell Whitfield. Welcome to another wonderful edition of Your Tech Report. Mitchell, how are you doing this wonderful week? You want to know why I'm doing great? Because it's very cool in Southern California. A little overcast. We don't get real weather, so we have real weather. And Mark, here's a, here's an awkward segue. We have a lot of real news this week. We have a lot of cool things going on that we're going to talk about with all of our listeners. A lot of fun stuff. And you know, it's funny. As I'm writing the show, Mitchell, I'm looking, doing research and talking about all these pieces. Yes. We're going to be talking about so many things this show. We're talking about how your phone can basically be turned into a computer. Uh, If you look at the past year of our show, we're now talking about using drones for delivery. We're talking about quadrocopters in the air and having to license these things. Phones doing things that computers couldn't do 15 years ago. This is a really, really fun time to be doing what we are doing, and I'm glad to be doing it with you and all the people out there listening to us. Are you kidding? I have a blast. This is my favorite part of the week, and you know, we hear a lot of cliches thrown around, and one of those things, and I use it myself, and you're, it's increasing exponentially. Technology advances exponentially, but when you, when you talk about what you just said, Mark, looking the idea, first of all, I can't wait to talk about how to use your phone as a full-blown computer. Yeah, drones good. delivering things for Amazon, or just the fact the advancement of drones in general, we're getting closer to Terminator, right? These drones are going to take over the world, but That's really, it. technologies is expanding exponentially and it's only going to accelerate, and the, the smaller the computer chips get, the smaller the cameras get. Yeah, it's getting a little big brothery maybe, too, but uh, it's exciting for a tech fan. It's a great time to be a tech fan. You make the joke about Terminator, but so many people are making comparisons like that. They're talking about Terminator. They're talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. They're talking right. about all these things, and you know what? Like, as 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 futuristic and as, as, as insane those movies were when they were released, People didn't realize this is where we're going. This is where we're going, and we're almost there. The whole idea is we are purposefully, and not even saying purposely, or purposefully, we are purposely creating machines yeah. that are intelligent. We are creating autonomous machines that are oh, designed boy. to think for themselves. I mean, it's like any sci-fi movie we've ever seen. Uh, and <laughs> so who could blame them if the machines got so smart they decided they didn't need us anymore? It's not that far-fetched, I'm telling you, but it's kind of funny. So if you want to get personally involved in the show, I invite you to do so electronically uh, using <laughs> facebook.com slash your tech report. Or Twitter, of course, it is at your tech report. And our email address, I want to keep giving this out. Email address is contact at your tech report.com because we get lots of emails from lots of great people. And that gives us ideas about things to talk about, products to review, things to ask for, things that you want to hear about. And that's why uh, that's why we do the show. So, Mitchell, let's kick off the week with the, the release of a product that we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. The Surface 3 from Microsoft is now available on Microsoft's online store in retail outlets, depending on where you live. Uh, price points start at uh, various different things. In Canada, it's about 639 In the U.S., it's uh, just under $500. With the Surface 3, you are not automatically getting that Type Touch cover, which has the built-in trackpad and keyboard. It is an optional accessory. So is the Surface Pen. Those are things that you're probably going to want to get with your new Surface 3. And this this version of the Surface tablet uh, uses quad-core Intel Atom processors. So not the full-fledged Intel Core 5, Core i5s and Core i7s that we've come accustomed to. Well, you know, th- this is an uh, this is an example of you know. First of all, Microsoft wants to have give this product line mass exposure, and honestly, I think the Surface line does deserve mass exposure. Uh, Mark and I have both used uh, different iterations of the Surface. I think Mark was using the Surface Pro three. I've tested and lived with the original Surface Pro. It is a wonderful product line, and as we've seen Apple do in their own strange way with the new MacBook, uh, with the new twelve inch MacBook, uh, the mobile processors are there for a reason. It's to keep costs down. Uh, they want to give you a product that, and, and I think, like you said, $499 for the starting point for the Surface 3. 
it, it, it's a fantastic price. When you talk about the beautiful display, the touchscreen, all the power, the fact that it is a full-blown computer. Again, folks, with the Surface, we're not talking about a tablet. We're talking about an Ultrabook computer that can also be used in tablet form factor with the mobile versions of the apps. I mean, it's a great price point. And yes, you are getting the, the Atom processor. But listen, Quad-Core Atom still puts out decent power. It's a matter of what you're going to use it for. You're not going to be using this to design the next great video game or to do CAD designs for engineers. If you're using it as a traditional computer laptop, you're going to be fine. You're going to have plenty of power. Well, you know, they're, they're targeting the education market of this, not only right. with the release and the price point. So it, it is definitely something that you're going to want to look for if you are you know, a student or even a teacher, because you get that full-fledged computing power. It will be upgradable to Windows 10. You will get all those features along for the ride, but just you know, understand what you're buying. Oh, by the way, let's not forget also about our Xbox users out there that do oh, want another option to stream their Xbox One. The Surface 3 could be a great example of how to do that. No, it's not going to have the same power of the Pro line, but it still runs on Surface 3, so that could be really cool. Google I.O. is their developers' conference. Obviously, Microsoft had theirs uh, last week, which was Build, and Apple's going to be having theirs coming up in uh, the beginning of June, WWDC. But Google will have their opportunity to shine at Google I.O., which kicks off on May 28th and 29th, and they are quoted as saying, we are going to have wearables that will blow your socks off. Last year, it was all about Android Wear and watches and smartwatches. So, what do you think they have in store this year, Mitchell? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it might not be an eyeglass-based device, since they didn't really have a lot of success with their last yet, one. Yet, we know that <laughs> kind of went privatized, or it went kind of under the radar. So, maybe right. we'll see the first iteration of Google Glass 2. I don't know. I, I hope so. Listen, I always felt bad about Google Glass not getting a fair shot, and I think part of it was the way in which it was released. Do you agree with that, Mark? I mean, they, they did have a I limited agree. release, and I think because they had that exclusive release, the mass market didn't really understand the product. By the time they did, the price didn't drop quickly enough. It was still in the twelve to $1,500 range. So I think Google has learned the lesson from Glass, and like you said, maybe, Mark, if we could see a consumer version of Google Glass sub $500, I don't know why that price kind of sticks out in my head. But I'm thinking for something like that, people are paying for tablets, $500 range. For wearables to come in under $500 for eyeglass, that would be incredible. I don't think we're going to be talking about watches as much because we've seen smart watches with Apple Watch coming out. I don't think they necessarily want to go after them right now. I think Google has always sort of, you know, marched to the beat of their own drummer like Apple has, and they're going to want to forge their own path in wearables. So I can't think of anything. You know, what else is there aside from the eyeglass technology through glass? We've seen watches, we've seen glasses. What else is there? There's, there's plenty of things that we're not thinking of, I'm sure. They're, they're being quoted as saying, our goal is to break the tension between ever-shrinking screen sizes necessary to make electronic wearables and our ability to have rich interactions with them. Basically saying, yes, screens are getting smaller, but why can't we be interacting with them more or in a better way? So that doesn't really give us any hints as to what they're going to be talking about, but it does give us some kind of you know end-of-the-line path as to where they're going with what they're doing. Well, the only thing I can think of, Mark, is, you know, what what Microsoft is doing with augmented reality on their side. Maybe, you know, Google Glass was probably the first, excuse me, the first product out there that did have augmented reality in that whatever you were seeing was being overlaid in front of you in real time, right? It was being overlaid in front of live video, live feed. So if they can have an augmented reality sort of build on that with their Glass product and beat Microsoft to market, that would be kind of interesting. So maybe that's what we're going to see. Let's talk about Nintendo for a second, because Nintendo's been changing their story, they're changing their game. They are now, it seems, committed to be releasing a mobile game this year. What will it be? Um, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Mario-based. Not that it couldn't be a great <laughs> Zelda game or Donkey Kong or any other great franchise. It ain't going to be Pikmin. I have a feeling it is going to be a Mario-based game, whether it's Mario Brothers, uh, one of the Mario World games. Uh, yeah, we're hearing now. Uh, they had a, they had an announcement uh, a couple of days ago that we are going to see the first mobile game by the end of year 2015. And their further projection, Mark, was we will see five games released by end of year 2015. 2017. Now, 
that is far off. That is. And that a lot of people are saying, well, that's not very many. But when you think about it, how many AAA titles are actually put out every year by any given company? Any given company has one great AAA title in a one-year period. That's pretty good. They're saying within the next two and a half years, basically, they will have five AAA mobile titles. And their explanation is they'd rather put out something of quality than put out a large quantity of titles right away. Now, is there any indication of whether these titles are going to be just, uh, you know, a, a mobile version of something that already exists, or if these are going to be custom developed for mobile platforms? My my instincts tell me it's probably going to be a mix. I think Nintendo probably will put out full-blown versions of existing games, uh, sort of like a retooled version designed for phone, which is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And I think they're going to put out some new games as well. I think they kind of have to. They had their earnings call. Do you know that they they showed in this year, it was a small profit, but it's the first time they've shown a profit margin since 2011? We're, that's a long time, Mark. So yeah. they really have to get in here, and they realize the mobile market is ripe for the taking in terms of their properties, their games. They're going to get a great reaction. They're going to sell a ton of games mobily. So I think they have to have a combination. Now, just like any video game console, Mark, they have to have a good balance of new properties mixed in with reboots of existing titles that people know. So I think we're going to probably see both. You think we'll see anything at E3? Uh, I have a feeling we're, you know, they, they have teased not just, of course, this. They've also teased new hardware. And they said oh. it probably won't be at E3 this year. But, hey, Nintendo has been known for, you know, surprising us. But you know what? That's not the only Nintendo surprise, Mark. They also have just reached a deal with Universal Theme Parks. Oh, really? We are going to see Nintendo-branded attractions at Universal Theme Parks. Of course, Universal has theme parks, a couple of here in the States, and a two or three more in Europe. Uh, so Universal Theme Parks, parks incredibly successful, Mark. You and I went to one. We went yes, to the one Universal Hollywood. Yes, Had a great time with your son, Zach. Uh, so now Nintendo is spreading its wings even further, trying to find new ways to monetize their properties. And, you know, licensing attractions at theme parks, that's big money for them. So we see them really making an effort to to be even more profitable. And uh, kudos to Nintendo, because in the end, the consumer is going to be the one having the fun on the rides and playing the mobile game. So we all win, right? Listen, I'm, I'm excited to, to really get my hands on some of these things on a mobile platform. It's just Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's hard to own every single platform and enjoy everything. So to have these great titles that we're used to come on the mobile platform, you know, if it comes on all the mobile platforms that we tend to use, then it gives us access to these things that we not, didn't necessarily have before, which is kind of neat. Well, you know what? This maybe gives credence to the fact they may be going more toward original titles than necessarily yeah. rebooting titles because they want to make sure that they have something for everyone. They have their their loyal customers that have the 3DS or the new 3DS, new 3DS XL. Those people are going to have games for those platforms as it is. They realize all the gaming, the, the gaming mojo, all the juice now is coming from the mobile side in terms of profitability. They see these startups making billions of dollars on mobile gaming. They can actually have both. That's the beauty of what they're doing here. And I think think, like we said, they kind of have to. They don't want to upset their current customers, but they want to bring new people into the fold, and mobile is the way to do it. I like it. It is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flatlow. Again, on Twitter, it is at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report, and our email address, contact at your tech report.com. If you've got something you want to talk about, something that you want us to talk about, or find out more info about, email us, contact at your tech report.com. Mitchell, there's more news coming up, so we're going to get to that. More? Yes, there's more. There's always more to talk about. More coming up on Your Tech Report. Your Tech Report will be right back. Your tech yes, indeed. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Your Tech Report. YourTechReport.com is our website where you can find all these shows. If you miss something or want to hear one of those interviews that we had in the past couple, past couple weeks, Mitchell, uh, of course, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash YourTechReport. And on Twitter, it is at YourTechReport. And email address, contact YourTechReport.com. Oh, that was nice. That was, uh, I like that touch. Nice touch. It was nice touch. kind of uh, takeoff. Dot com. Uh, uh, Wemo, you know, we're big Belkin fans here. Uh, Belkin's Wemo is their home automation, uh, I guess their their home automation wing of their product lineup. You love because home automation, yeah. I, lo- I love it. I know, yeah. And that's why we've kind of toned down the interviews. I know that I was doing a lot of home automation interviews. We have more coming up. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Droplet and, and stuff that, uh, that I've been playing with in the background. We know we need to, there has to be a healthy balance. Not everybody wants to hear about the same thing over and over. No, we no, we have, to, we have to balance that, that with drones. So we do that with drones. We 
could do the home, home automation, automation drones, with our Apple yeah. Talk. With we have the, <laughs> it, it, this is stuff that we do behind the scenes so that you guys, the listeners, don't get feel that we're repetitive and boring. I understand it. We got to cater to you. We got it. Okay, we so Belkin's home drones, automation yeah. is really cool. Um, what I love about Belkin's <laughs> Wemo lineup is that it's just so easy to set up. It, it literally is. Every device creates its own hotspot when you plug it in for the first time. You connect to that hotspot, and then in the Belkin Wemo app, you suddenly add that to your collection of devices. And they've done a great job at integrating Belkin's Wemo lineup with services, third-party services like ifttt.com, which um, if you don't know what they do, they allow you to do triggers, things like when the temperature outside in Los Angeles hits this temperature, then increase my uh, my, my thermostat by this amount of temperature. A lot of things like that that you can do to trigger events. When my garage door opens, open this light, then open this light. If motion is sensed in this room. Anyhow, there is another... Like if-then scenarios, right? Yeah, okay. And there's a company called Cree who makes LED light bulbs, very inexpensive LED light bulbs, and they've now added Wemo support to their connected bulbs, which is very, very cool because it allows you to not only be forced to buy Belkin Wemo products, but you can buy other third-party products that are doing great things like the Cree connected bulbs. Um, and use them with your existing Wemo setup, which is really, hmm. really, really neat. So you can get those for $15 from Home Depot, which is really unheard of if you think about the actual pricing. And honestly, if you've ever, like, I, I, I don't know if you've known this, Mark. I, I think I've been hiding this fetish from the world for a long time, but this is 2015. I'm a grown man. I should be able to share my fetishes with you and with our millions of listeners. And I'm not ashamed to say I've had an LED light fetish, you know, a flashlight fetish for years. When I go to these different tech shows, I'm like, uh, where are your tactical LED flashlights? <laughs> I don't know why I became Dr. You know, Dr. Evil. Um, but yeah, I've always loved them. And if you, if you, you know, have you purchased any tactical police lights or any high-end LED flashlights, Cree has been making the bulbs for a majority of yeah. these things for years. So in case you're worrying, well, uh, you know, Oh, is Cree a good name? Cree is an excellent name when it comes to, to LED, and it's a great partnership because it's taking the best of what the you know Wemo, Wemo Belkin lineup does, bringing in probably one of the most well-known LED manufacturers on the planet. So, yeah, this actually gets me all jazzed because of my now-shared fetish. Well, it's funny because people, and I talk to a lot of people, and I tell them how it's, I've switched probably the majority of my home to LED bulbs, whether it be indoor, outdoor, et cetera, et right. cetera. And it's an investment at first because, you know, even Cree, you know, Cree at $15 a bulb, you're comparing this to $2 a bulb on, on regular traditional bulbs. But the amount of power that you're not consuming and spending in energy, whether it be hydroelectricity or whatever means that you power your home, um, let alone the fact that these bulbs really technically should never die. You're making a, an incredible investment. So coming in at a fourteen dollar price point in the connected bulb is insane because a regular LED bulb that isn't connected is about fourteen bucks today. And a lot of people, you know, there, it wasn't that long ago. I love that we're branching off into lighting technology because it is part of technology. And a lot of, this is something that a lot of people can relate to in terms of, you know, everyone changes light bulbs in their home or is looking for a better light bulb. And there was a, there was a time when fluorescent was all the rage because, yeah. again, lower wattage, uh, more power, less, you know, less power consumption, brighter lights. The problem is fluorescent bulbs did not necessarily give off the kind of warm light that a lot of people were looking for, even though the price point was good and the, the power management was good, it's very different with LED. You can control the warmth because you can tr- control the color temperature of these bulbs as well if that's enabled. So yeah. I, I think it's been a great alternative. And yes, the, we see the price to entry coming down now with other manufacturers. You talk about Cree, you talk about Philips and other brands. It's only going to drive the price down, which means we're at the point now, folks, where there's no reason to not have LED lighting in your home, especially when the Wemo, when you can control everything through that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a win-win. Well, let's talk about Hue for a second, because there is some news about Hue. Actually, Hue and Logitech. Logitech remotes will now be able to control your Hue light bulb. So if you have hopped on the Hue bandwagon, get the latest update for your Hue hub, and you can actually integrate that with your Logitech Harmony remote to be able to control your bulb. So if you want to hit that movie scene button and it dims your lights and sets up your your inputs on your AV unit to, to watch that movie, you can have that light control there as well. Or when you're having a private moment with your LED flashlight collection. So, Mophie has launched a new battery case called the Juice Pack H2 Pro. 
This is a cool one, Mitchell, because it's available for the iPhone 6, and it is completely waterproof to every single waterproof standard you could possibly think of. So not only is it a slim, nice-looking battery pack extension for your phone, but it completely encases it so it's waterproof and still gives you access to things like Touch ID. Well, why haven't they sent us many of them so far? Yeah, I, uh, I've kind of been waiting for this, kind of combining the two, <laughs> combining those two things that we haven't seen. And is it just me, or does Mophie kind of take their time releasing new packs for new products? Because we're, it took a long time for them to come out with anything for the iPhone 6. And now when they do, we're seeing it's like, okay, we waited, so we're going to give you something even better than you were waiting for. And it's also waterproof. So yeah, that's pretty darn cool. And listen, for people that aren't going to go diving with their with their phones uh, just to have the waterproof for accident protection with the battery attached to it is worth it I think the waterproof feature is great even if you're not going into a pool because I've had a little dunking accident with an iPhone in the past and I, I, I will say my phone wasn't the same after taking that visit to the, the pizza joint but hey uh, it's nice to have a waterproof battery charging for your phone I, I tend to agree. The, the new Juice Pack is $130. Juice Pack H2 Pro. Get it? Right. H2 Pro. I get uh, it. And yeah. it's, uh, it's available for pre order now with an estimated ship date of late May. Volkswagen is in the news this week, Mitchell, because they have debuted a new connected car app on the Apple Watch. This is something we've seen already from Tesla. Um, they had had a third-party design an app for the Apple Watch as well that controls a lot of elements of your Tesla. But Volkswagen seems to be one of the first companies who gives you some control um, to their uh, CarNet mobile app already in the uh, App Store today. Well, this is nice to see Volkswagen doing this because, you know, they were a little slow to jump on the CarPlay, uh, Apple's CarPlay bandwagon, as we know. And in the past, being VW guys, and Mark and I have both been driving Volkswagens for decades, um, they've been a little slow in adopting the higher-end technology into their vehicles. It's always been more about the driving experience and that the, the great in, you know interior quality. But in terms of technology, we see Volkswagen sort of coming on a little sooner now. And for Volkswagen fans, that's great news, especially if you're an Apple user, because because, hey, now you know you can use your Apple Watch to control some features in your Volkswagen. It's well, pretty cool. It also takes you know it takes time for some of these features to get to market. It's not like their their product cycle on cars is so difficult to predict and so difficult to implement. So it takes some time sometimes for these companies to get it out. So this this new app will control things on the CarNet features, such as uh, and, and by the way, this is available on 2014 later models like the Beetle, CCE, uh, EOS, Jetta, Passat, Tiguan, things like the all electric Golf. You'll be able to check the battery charge find the location of your car, manage climate control, a lot of cool things. And, of course, towards the end of 2016 and later models, it'll be default in those vehicles, which is pretty neat. Yay! I'd want to see it in everything. Yeah, and this is the hard part, because not every manufacturer has it, uh, like you said, at the same time. But I'm just happy as a Volkswagen fan. Hopefully, the GTI will be able to start my engine for my watch very soon. But, you know, if that happens, I'll just go out and get a new GTI right away. There you go. Yeah, just right away. Just do it right now. Yeah, uh, Mitchell, Canadian streaming services have kind of been not left on the wayside, but they haven't shown up in uh, all these fray of Apple TV apps. And, and now we're seeing that change with Crave TV and ShowMe, which are Canadian-based uh, broadcasters, getting Apple TV apps to be able to access them from your Apple TV device. Obviously, just like any other service, you need to have a subscription so you can watch it. In, it's about time that these Canadian companies get their showpiece on uh, Apple TV, but I think it's about time that we see some Apple TV hardware. And I'm just, honestly, I'm, I'm, I refuse to go buy even the new 1080p model because it's been what four years almost that we've it's seen this ridiculous. piece of hardware. It is a little ridiculous, and you know there there are two things. <clears throat> excuse me, going on with this particular story. <clears throat> number one is why is my throat doing this? <clears throat> number two, I think that's all done with now. Thank you. Number two is. Uh, why, in this day and age, do we still see a fragmented release throughout North America? I do not get it. Mark, we have a show that is entrenched in both the United States and Canada. We have an audience that's throughout North America. I'm sure our audience can relate to this. I can understand if something is released in one part of the world and then not another part of the world thousands, thousands, miles, thousands of miles away because of distribution models. I get it. But for North America to not get the same treatment at the same time, I still don't get. So, 
yay that we're still that we're still getting these Canadian uh, providers hopping on board now, but boo that it's taken so long. And also, like you said, Mark, what is going on with Apple TV? They've been calling it a hobby for years, and unfortunately, I think by calling it a hobby for years, they've been treating it like a hobby, and our expectations are of that of a hobby product, and that sort of is beneath what Apple normally does. Um, I'm really confused by it, and I'm really hoping that we see something new with Apple TV very, very, very soon. Well, as expected, the rumor mill is going a little bit nuts with WWDC, their developer conference, kicking off in the beginning of June. The latest talk about Apple TV is that we will see new hardware, we'll see a new remote with some touch features, and uh, and a new interface. But, I mean, we've been saying this, Mitchell, I could probably go back a couple years, and we've been saying this every single year when a product launches around the corner that we're going to see a new Apple TV, and it never materializes, whether that be because they're just not working on it, it's not a priority, it's a hobby, maybe there are deals out there, like streaming service deals, that that just aren't signed yet. There's a lot of speculation as to why we have or have not seen an update, and I guess we just have to continue to wait and see what happens. The only thing I can think of to give myself an excuse and to give our listeners an excuse is when it comes to a product like a streaming service or a streaming device, uh, it's not a standalone product, unlike an iPad or uh, a phone or, you know, which is a device that Apple can make and then down the line they can add features to it. A streaming device depends on partnerships. It is completely depending on partnerships. So if Apple wants to do something more in terms of giving us more features, more hardware that can access, have access to more digital media, they have to have those partnerships in place with the providers before they can actually release the hardware, or at least that's what the thought is. I, I still would love to see an updated piece of hardware with the existing with the existing content that they have, yeah. and then let the providers come down the line. But it seems like Apple wants to have those deals in place, which makes you wonder what kind of a product they're really putting out next. Will it be a subscription-based product, or is it going to be something that you just buy and you'll still have a lot of free content? I don't know. Well, while they sit back and, and kind of wait to release some kind of update in that form, there are companies out there that are that are making some really cool innovations. And, and back at the Build Developers Conference on the Microsoft side, we talked, obviously, to Kevin Yanks last week yep. about the Xbox streaming. But there's one feature called Continuum that I, that I think did not get enough attention in the media. This is uh, amazing. And this is really, really, really cool. This is basically uh, turns your phone with their universal apps that are, you use the same code. Whether your, it Windows, phone, your Windows phone. Your Windows like your phone. Win- oh, right, okay. It allows you to sit at a desk, plug it into whether it be a docking station or just a keyboard, an external monitor and a mouse, and get a full desktop experience from your phone. They showed us how when you plug your tablet in your Surface Pro to the keyboard type cover, it asks you if you want to enter or exit tablet mode or desktop mode. The same functions exist as you use your phone. You get the start menu, which mimics exactly what is the start menu on your phone screen. You see your battery display at the top corner. You see how much signal you have. But when you go and launch a program like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, any of their universal apps, you get the full immersive experience because it's all there in the embedded code. And this is Insane. And Mitchell, not only that, but Continuum lets you continue to work on these programs and still do other things on your phone. You can multitask, basically. Exactly. So you can be sitting there with your desktop, connected by Bluetooth, doing whatever you want with your keyboard and mouse, and then your son or daughter comes over and says, hey, I want to watch that video or YouTube video. You can go ahead and give them your phone and let them do that. Or vice versa, you're doing something on your phone and they want to watch a video on your TV screen, well, stream it to the screen while you're still working on your phone. This is really, really cool because it brings that PC-in-your-pocket experience to reality. I was just going to say, we've been hearing this, and again, we're sort of, we're cliche busters. And we're talking about cliches, and having a computer, having a, having a smartphone is like having a computer in your pocket, and it is. But what Mark is talking about, and you're absolutely right, this literally is a computer in your pocket. If you can actually take your phone and have a transition to full-blown desktop mode like we're talking about, that is having a computer in your pocket. That does take away, uh, for a lot of people, the need to travel with a laptop or even travel with a tablet because whenever you go anywhere, your destination, boom, pop it in whatever. This is something, this is a technology that can truly be grown into something game-changing. And I, I do use that expression, but I think where it's appropriate, Mark, this is a game-changer if they can find a way to make this widespread. And I think a lot of it is going to hinge on, Mark, and tell me if you agree with this. Uh, 
how they decide to implement this, whether it is a cradle, whether they decide to market the cradle uh, as something you can pop any Windows phone into and boom, there you go. Or put out a cable, make that price point really low so that people can do this anywhere. This is unbelievable. This why is unbelievable. Not, why not wirelessly? You know, think about Bluetooth keyboard, Bluetooth ma- Bluetooth mouse, and just you know using a cable to plug into a monitor. Think about businesses that have remote uh, locations in different places, and you have all your data on your phone. You can go sit at a terminal and say, "Hey, pop your phone in and go and do work from absolutely anywhere." It really does bring that kind of scenario to life, and I'm really excited to see that uh, see that come to reality, which is really really neat. Oh, Mitchell, so much to talk about, so much to talk about. We covered Nintendo, we covered all this stuff, but we also have things that we want to go hands-on with, don't we? I think we do, and I also have a little rant. I have to go on a rant. Oh, you're going to go on a rant? Okay, I'm going to so go on a rant later, yeah. Let's take a breather. Let's, uh, let's, let's get some coffee in ourselves, get some water, get ourselves uh, ready for limbering that up. rant. And, uh, limbering up. Uh, we'll be back with more right here on your deck report. Your deck stretch report. Yeah. We'll be right back. Yeah, stretch. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Yes, indeed. On Twitter, it is at yourtechreport, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Email address, contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell is primed for a rant, and we're going to let him do it. Mitchell, go! Uh, You know, it's not like a, I'm not not going to be like a typical ranting maniac here. You know, it's something I wanted to talk about. And let me preface this by saying, and Mark, I want you to jump in with me because I want this to be not not really a rant, but sort of an interactive uh, discussion, pointed discussion. Right. Uh, Is that the PC way of saying when you're really ticked off about something, you have a discussion, not a rant. Okay. Normally they tell Uh, you to actually breathe and not speak afterwards. Just take a moment. (laughs) Do you really want to say that? Yeah, you know what? What's the point of having a radio show if you can't say something controversial once in a while? I mean, come on. It's not like I'm taking my top off and running around the studio, although that would be great radio, too. It has been done. It Anyhow. has been done. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so here we go. Uh, let me preface this entire rant slash point of conversation with Mark by saying that I am not a marketing expert uh, My in, in my education, whether it be at the, the co- collegiate level or previously. I have no experience with marketing, so I'm not going to talk to you as a professional. I'm not even going to talk to you right now as the host of a tech show with someone that more than, you know, more than the average amount of technical uh, knowledge in terms of the industry, okay? Okay. Uh, I'm just going to try and talk to you as John Q. Public, a consumer going in in my observations. Or my observation right now being, I think that Apple has made a colossal mistake, not just a mistake, a colossal mistake with the way they have decided to market and sell the Apple Watch. And this is not just you know a you know bitter party for one because I haven't gotten my watch yet. I'm actually I'm actually cool. I'm good with that. This is coming from the point of view of okay, here we go. You have these elaborate displays, Mark, in every Apple store. We've gone to Apple stores together. You've gone to Apple stores, I'm sure, in Montreal, Toronto. I've gone throughout California, okay? These beautiful displays for Apple Watch. You have to make an appointment. They have this gorgeous wooden table with a glass cover that lets you see everything. You can touch them. You can see them. And then they tell the consumer, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, no. You have to go home and order it. Or go over to that little kiosk there, that computer, and you can order it. But you cannot buy it here. Now... Just from me, coming from a consumer's point of view, Mark, from someone that loves to shop, loves to shop for technology, when you go in somewhere and you see this lavish display, you see all these pretty things, and you are told at every step of the way, sorry, can't buy it here, it creates a disconnect with the consumer. It, number one, it takes away an impulse purchase. There's no ability to make an impulse purchase. No. And how many people love the ability for people to make an impulse purchase for their product? It's a great way to sell something. You get someone excited on the spot. They came in there for a for a, a cable. They came in there for a laptop. And they end up leaving with a watch. Well, now by doing it this way, by having it online only, you completely take away the impulse purchase. Because by the time you leave and go home, you start thinking, well, do I really need an Apple watch? I can just use my regular watch and I can myself with my exercise, it immediately creates a disconnect. And I think it's also poor form to dangle something under someone's nose and then just let them know, but you can't have it. Not only can't you have it here, you can't have it now. And I think from a consumer's point of view, it creates frustration and a little bit of animosity. And animosity is a strong word, but I really do think it creates a problem with the company and the client and the consumer not being able to get what they want when they want. And it's something that Apple has never done before. I'm not sure if it has to do with their bringing in of Angela Arends as their head of uh, head of retail. She 
she had a great reputation in Burberry. She did a great job there. I don't know if this is her MO or the company as a whole. I just think it creates a big problem and a big disconnect between company and consumer. What do you think about this? Am I nuts? What, here's my question to you. Is, is, yeah. um, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, okay. I, I completely get it. What is the difference between the way they are doing this by having announced it a month before. I mean, they announced this watch six months earlier. Okay, They dangled it in front of us six months ago. And for six months, we didn't even know when we'd be able to purchase it. The difference is now they're putting it in our face a little bit more, but it's really no different than announcing it six months ago and making us wait an unknown period of time to actually get that in our hands, is it really? Oh, I think it's hugely different. It's hugely different because when they announce a product, you know you know you can't have it now. You know There's anticipation for it. There's excitement. There might be frustration, but you know the product's not available. What this does is, this shows you an incredibly lavish display in store of a product that is released that people can have. You just can't have it now. You can't buy it in the store. There's no ability to get excited about it and then purchase it. It's, it's knowing, Mark. It's a difference between knowing that a product is available to some people, just not available to you, and not available here. And I think if they're going to present a product this way, Way, don't have it in store. Do not show a product in store. Imagine going to a restaurant and the waiters and wait or the servers, waiters, I guess not a PC term, the servers go around with these trays, a beautiful steak. If you're a vegan, a beautiful vegan meal, great pasta dish, and they go around to every table. Would you like to smell this? Of course you would. Is it delicious? Yes, can you no pasta for you? And you can't buy any of the food. They make you leave the restaurant. Sorry, this is just so you can smell and look and get your you start drooling and then you have to leave. I think it's the same thing. It's a tease, and I don't don't think it's a great way to build customer and customer relationships, especially for a company that, yes, they have had products that were in short supply before. They have teased us months in advance, but the product is released. They're showing it. They're just not letting you actually have one. And I think, again, impulse purchase out the window. Resentment sort of creeping in a little bit. Yeah. I think it's I think it's sort of playing uh, you know, I think they're they're getting a little too loose, a little too free and loose with what they're doing in terms of the marketing end. And it, as a customer, it's frustrating. And I gotta tell you, I've talked to people that work at the Apple stores. I'm not the only person that feels this way. It's not just because they're they're in short supply. People don't like seeing a product in store that they know they'll never be able to buy in store. And mark my words, Mark, within the next two months, Apple Apple will reverse their policy they are, they are. and start they sending they, it, they, selling it in stores. Already, their stores, not at other stores. No, no, their no, stores. Hang on. They're yeah. already. Um, they've already announced, not officially, but they've already announced that they are going to allow you to at least pick up in store. Uh, in the coming weeks, because that option is now available on the website. It's grayed out, but it's there. So you're going to be oh, able now. to pick up in store. Um, and at the same time, you, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that you should be able to buy that product in the store, um, knowing that other people can go to a store in Paris, for example, and, right. and like to get it, boutique. whether they, no matter what it is, you know, they could probably walk into that high end boutique and either buy the $20,000 model or maybe the $500 model. Why should I be penalized because what I live here and I'm not don't have a high end boutique near me? That shouldn't happen, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. There, um, and there's no reason for it because if they were if they worry about the lines, they're trying to reduce. I know what they're trying to do, and this is something again that Angela Renz talked about. She doesn't like the idea of people waiting in line in front of a store and having to wait and do that. I get that, I get that, but they can still do do the set up the appointments. Let people buy in-store by setting up an appointment. Yeah. You still remain exclusive. You have that air of exclusivity. You reduce the problem of the lines outside. People actually have to make an appointment. They can't wait outside. They won't, but at least they'll have the ability to do it in-store after seeing the watch sitting in front of them. I just think it's a better idea, and that's something they're going to have to transition to 100%. Well, I think they're going to do that. I definitely think they're going to do that. Mitchell? Yeah, I'm up. We're going to take a quick break to let you uh, right. wind down, and we're going to come back and, uh, and talk about some fun ViewSonic products. And what are you going to talk about? I, I, I don't have the foresight to. Uh, a little Linksys. A little, little Linksys, Linksys love. We oh, love Linksys. We're showing Linksys a little love. I have a great Linksys story that I'm going to tell you about when we come back about this because uh, when you went off on that one Linksys router, it made four of my friends immediately go out and purchase that same router, and they have not See? looked back since. Yeah. You've got influence, my friend. You've the got power influence. of radio, baby. Yeah. There's more Your Tech Report after this.
Now, Welcome back. back. To your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Market Flatlowitz from Whitfield with you. Wait, don't that? laugh at me. I just I decided that I wanted to talk over over her. That was like was welcome back. Just interrupt us. Don't bring yeah, attention that was to funny. mistakes. Don't bring attention to mistakes. Welcome back, Marco Flalo Mitchell Whitfield with you. Your tech report on Twitter. It's at your tech report. <laughs> Facebook.com slash your tech report. Our email address welcome contact back. at your tech report.com. It's one of those days, Mitchell, where just everything <laughs> is goofy and we're falling off. We're falling off our chairs. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. It, like I said, it's good radio. We're it having is, a good time. Is, that is. means our listeners will have a good time too, right? Uh, I want to talk about uh, ViewSonic because uh, we yes. have made some, some great connections in our time, and uh, this this incredible friend of ours now, uh, Corey, reps some great companies, and one of them is ViewSonic, and they've helped me out on a couple fronts. Uh, the first front is I was looking for a projector for a comedy club, a friend of mine that was uh, Comedy Nest in Montreal. They were revamping their whole situation, and uh, he really helped me out, Corey, to, in, to determine what ViewSonic projector to get, because there are so many things, and we talked about uh, projectors a couple weeks ago with uh, with their, their, their uh, head of projectors, uh, Jeffrey, but there's a uh, I use the new Mac Pro, Mitchell, and I'm a, a higher-end user, I guess, because of the audio production that I do and some of the video production that I get Absolutely. Into. So I've been looking slowly but surely to get into 4K monitors because the prices have come down dramatically. Um, so I reached out to Corey. I said, what does ViewSonic have in monitors? Because ViewSonic is a company that I have bought monitors from for, I mean, probably the first computer I bought was a ViewSonic monitor. Absolutely. Me too. It's, it's got to be. So I, when we spoke to Corey, I said, listen, I want to buy something. I don't want you guys to give me anything to test. I want to buy a good 4K monitor. And he said there's a, there's a whole lineup coming out of Pro Series and Prosumer Series. The thing to look at for 4K monitors is the refresh rate. A 60 hertz refresh rate on a computer monitor is what you're looking for because you don't want to have any kind of jaggedness when you're moving windows and stuff like that. So come you know, gets delivered to me, and not even at my office, to my mailbox, were two brand new 27-inch Ultra HD LED backlit displays, um, the VP2780 4K monitors. These are the professional series. They retail for almost about $1,000 a monitor. Um, they are absolutely beautiful works of art in terms of the image quality. This is the first time that I have plugged in monitors and that I see the same color representation on both screens. This has been a very, very difficult thing to do with monitors from the end of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was amazed at that from first hand. The other thing that I'm kind of facing right now with these monitors, Mitchell, is because this is a new Mac Pro and it can drive 4K monitors, there's lots of inputs on these monitors. There's two HDMI ports that support MHL, there's one standard HDMI port, the, the, the display port, the standard display port, and mini display port. So in the first 45 minutes, I've already you know, banged off a couple of emails to Corey saying I've had some questions about the display and the configuration because the Mac Pro has different video buses, et cetera, et cetera. So this really is just me talking about my first impressions with these, these monitors. They're absolutely beautiful. I'm going to give a much more detailed review about their use and the resolutions. The resolution by default is insane. It's a 4K monitor. You can't even, on a Mac, you can't even see what you're looking at anymore. I had to, I had to literally come close to the monitor with my face just to change the resolution to something I can actually see. See, I, I wanted to mention something. I wanted to just go on to something that you uh, you just talked about. Basically, the inputs. Now, I know it seems like a silly thing to focus on, but how many times, I can't tell you, Mark, how many times personally I've had to either scratch a monitor off my list just because it didn't have the proper amount. I mean, we're seeing like the VGA connections almost go the way of the dodo, although a lot of monitors still do have VGA connections. We don't see them quite as much, but, oh, it has a DVI, but I really need a display. Well, it only has one HDMI, and usually you'll get you know two or three ways to connect you know different types yeah. but to see that it has multiple HDMI that is huge because so many more products now especially when you can connect your tablet uh, your Mac mini which has of course HDMI out through display port connectivity it's great to have multiple ways to connect to these monitors not only are you enjoying the beautiful 4k resolution but you're not going to have to add a separate hub or connector to it to get all the things you wanted connected to that's a big deal I forgot to mention that each monitor has a oh, the hub, yeah, yeah. A USB 3.0 hub, so you connected your computer and you get three additional USB 3.0 ports. So in my situation where I'm using two monitors, um, I use two of my USB ports and I end up gaining another six, which is really good on the Mac Pro because the Mac Pro, in my opinion, does not have enough USB ports. I know, exactly. And that's something we talked about when you first got it. And I'm glad to hear that you, you touched on something also that's very important. You said when you first fired it up, the colors were true. And this is a big deal because you have a lot of people, especially I'd imagine 
imagine people, Mark, that are going to get 4K monitors, whether they're editors, whether they're photo, you know, photographers, photojournalists, and color calibration when it comes to calibrating your monitor. Because a lot of photographers are editing based on the colors they see, and it's very important that their monitors represent exactly, especially with digital photography, you're not looking at paper anymore, you're looking at a screen. So color calibration becomes a huge deal, and so I'm really glad to hear that out of the box, you're experiencing true color representation and consistent color representation. That's going to be a big deal for people whose livelihoods depend on that, right? Absolutely. And, and, and as I said, Mitchell, right out of the box. And this is why people who tend to be in those high-end production environments tend to buy monitors at the same time, because you want to get the same batch, because sometimes yep. manufacturing does affect very small nuances. And that's why I ordered two at the same time. I said, send them over. And uh, so far, very, very cool experience. Again, some nuances I'm having with the Mac Pro. Absolutely. I want to get a little bit of a higher resolution in, than what I'm dealing with now. And I'm going to talk to them directly at ViewSonic to, to solve that issue. But we will have a full review uh, up for you, uh, guaranteed, in the coming weeks. Well, should I uh, should I get a little handsy myself and talk about a little hands-on experience I've had? Uh, absolutely. Tell me about the links. I've already, I've already told you my fetish, so I might as well get a little handsy. It's sort of consistent, I would think. Um, so, yeah, as we as Mark mentioned, uh, Corey has been great hooking us up with a lot of gear, and uh, one of the other clients and one of the other products that we're truly, truly excited about, of course, is working with Linksys, yeah. and Linksys, Belkin Linksys, actually. So, uh, a, wh- a while back, I, I did a little review. Uh, the Linksys EA9200, also known as the AC3200. Mm-hmm. It's a tri-band smart Wi-Fi wireless router. And I told the story of how I went to my buddy Will's place, because he was having even worse, even greater internet issues than I was. And hooking this new router, the tri-band router I just told you about, up at his place, and that the experience was truly life-changing for him in terms of now his home, his truly he's truly covered, strong throughput, strong signal, very fast internet, and he was so grateful I didn't have the heart to take it back from him. So what did I do? I got back in touch with Corey. I was like, look, I feel so silly here. I I, I am having internet troubles of my own here. I, I set up the one that you gave me in my friend's house. We did a great piece on it. He loves it. Corey said, no problem. I'm going to send you something else that you can also review. And Corey sent us the WRT-1200AC, or oh, the AC-1200. Okay. Now, now, Mark, now you know this router. This is known <laughs> as like, like the king, king daddy, mac daddy workhorse of the wireless router set. This thing is the beast of all wireless routers. Am I right? Um, it was the beast. It was the beast until Linksys announced a brand new AC twenty six hundred, EA eighty five hundred, literally days ago. But I'll let you continue. It well, is, Corey, it is an absolute, you know, you know what we're reviewing next. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it is an absolute beast. And of course, you know the main difference being between this one and the EA ninety two hundred. This is a dual band router. The other is a tri band router. And as it was explained to us, of course, if you're in a home where you have multiple people connecting on multiple devices, obviously having the different bands, uh, the tri band is going to be beneficial in that area. But if you don't have as many devices and as many people connecting, I think you're basically worrying about that many people in an office environment connecting, uh, the dual band will do you just fine. And to say, again, Mark, to say that it's powerful, to say that it reaches places, <laughs> it reaches places in my heart that no router has ever reached. No, it reaches places in my home that no other router was actually able to reach the power on this. And when you when you open the box, Mark, just the presentation of this thing, uh, it, it comes packed in this black foam. The four different antennas are packed separately from the actual main unit itself. It is beautiful, and it is powerful. It did everything that Corey promised it would do, and I'm so grateful to have had a time with this. And Corey, you're not getting it back. Um, also, something they don't talk about, they talk about it on the website, but not necessarily in the packaging. You'll see other Linksys products, Mark, with their packaging mentioning the smart Wi-Fi setup, the smart router. This also has the smart setup, folks, so don't be fooled and think you're going to have to go old school with connecting uh, with connecting the WRT1900AC. It is a smart router. It can be, it can be, it's completely Completely easy to set up, um, web-based setup, very simple. Uh, you can also uh, control it through the uh, Linksys app. Yeah, exactly. So it is a sm- yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's a great thing. And, and if you've ever used the Linksys app to control any of your Linksys wireless routers or hubs, it is brilliant. It allows you to control remotely. It allows you to control access for miners. I mean, it really is a smart, smart setup, and it's called the smart setup. So uh, thank you again to the folks at Linksys and to Corey for getting this in my hands. And I'm sure I'll have more to report as I now experienced the Internet in more ways than I ever have. Do you continue to use your repeaters throughout your home? Or have you disconnected those and just used the router at this point? Uh, I found, believe it or not, I found that I didn't really need the repeater with this particular router, which is a crazy thing to say, but you've had the same experience, right? I I did not realize that I was actually providing a disservice to my home network by having these repeaters around, but I was using a combination of uh, an older Linksys router and some Airport Expresses, uh, even an Airport Extreme, et cetera, et cetera, and after doing a lot of research and a lot of testing with channels and and given the, the residential nature of my neighborhood, I realized that taking out the repeaters actually boosted the signal to those end end of hard to reach places. Well, let me tell you this: <laughs> those hard to reach places are a murder on everyone. Let me tell you, uh, Corey also did send us over uh, a range extender, a Linksys range yes. extender, and um, I, I found that it actually worked quite well because I was, you know, I tested it; everything worked fine. I was able to connect, but I also found that with this particular router, with the WRT nineteen hundred AC, that's WRT nineteen hundred AC, <laughs> I did not need it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there are people that have much larger homes. I mean. Yes, I'm in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry. I don't have one of those sprawling Hollywood homes that you see, folks. I'm a regular oh, dude on, with a regular house. No, I mean, I have 1,800 square feet here, but it's the problem with my house, Mark, is it's old construction. It was yeah. built in the early 60s. The walls are very thick, so it's hard to get it's hard to get coverage everywhere. Did not have that issue with this particular wireless router. So if you're looking for power, home network issues, the Linksys WRT 1900 AC retails for $249, but you can find it for less online, folks. And Mark, as you said, the new versions of the 2600 that was just announced? Uh, sorry, I, did, I, I had it in front of me and then disappeared, so I'll, I'll get it back for you, I promise. All right, all right. It's but, the, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's, listen, a couple milestones for Linksys. First, they're the first to sell 100 million routers globally, and wow. the new one is called the AC2600, with has, which has new technology called a MU MIMO, so Mu MIMO, I guess they call it, which is really, really neat. We'll You're find so out all about names, it from yeah. Corey, I'm sure, when he sends us a copy. Mitchell, thank you so much for that review. Thank you for joining me on a wonderful edition of Your Tech Report. Of course, online, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address, contact at yourtechreport.com, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get uh, all the latest news and reviews that we bring to you firsthand right there at yourtechreport.com. Again, on Twitter, it is at yourtechreport. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Your Tech Report right here. Thanks. We'll be back next week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to Follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.